Hello, everyone. My name is Kathy McGuigan, and I am from the Library of Congress. And I want to thank you for joining us this evening. We have a fantastic program lined up for you tonight. We're going to be talking about visible thinking routines, making thinking visible that comes out of Project Zero, and we're gonna be marrying them with the use of primary sources. And we have a great lineup for you tonight. I wanna introduce you to my colleague, Anne Savage. She is an education resource specialist and has been with the library for well over a decade, um, helping us with the use of primary sources and specific to using the visible thinking strategies. Um, she works on professional development and develops classroom materials. So we're excited to have her with us tonight. Joining us from Southern Alabama is Susan Santoli, and she is the director of the Secondary Social Studies Education Program at the University of South Alabama. She teaches social studies methods for secondary undergrad and graduate social studies majors, as well as undergraduate and graduate courses across all majors. She is co-editor of a book chapter on visual literacy and has numerous journal articles and presentations on integrating primary sources. She has worked with uh, Artful Thinking that also comes out of Project Zero and she has some information to share with us tonight. So I want to thank you all for joining us live or joining us during the recording and I hope that you enjoy this program. And I'm going to turn things over to Anne. Hi, everybody. I'm so glad to be here tonight talking with you all. We're going to be talking, as Kathy said, about primary sources and visible thinking strategies. And the way we're going to do that, we're actually going to model a brief strategy with you in a minute or two and then we're going to talk about some other ones and later on Susan will be talking and what will be interesting is that I think we're going to be talking about some of the same strategies so it'll be interesting to hear how you can adapt the, diff the same strategies for different learning environments. So I'm going to share a slideshow with you and Anne, before you share yes. your slideshow, if I can interrupt, mm -hmm. I was remiss in not telling our guests, our participants today, that you can tweet uh, your responses to the prompts uh, for today's session uh, to hashtag connected learning. Uh, you can also access the Google Doc that we'll be using during this presentation um, from the same screen where you're joining us from. It should be listed on the website. So there are ways to participate even during the, uh, as you're watching the recording and providing some feedback. So um, I just wanted to make sure that everyone was aware of that. So you're back on. Thanks, Kathy, and and that's critical because that's what this is all what this is all about is communicating and collaborating and sharing ideas. So terrific! Um, I'm going to start sharing my slideshow. Okay, I'm screen sharing, and we're going to start by. First of all, as I said, we're going to model a primary source analysis. We're going to use visible thinking routines, and then we're going to just talk about 
more examples of doing that. And later on, we'll give you some links to where you can learn more. Primary sources and making thinking visible really are almost made for each other. If you think about primary sources and why using them is so beneficial, it's a lot of reasons, but in a nutshell, it's a fabulous way to engage students. And, and what we mean by that is to get them interested in what they're looking at, what they're studying, get them asking questions, start the inquiry process, get them sharing and talking with each other. Um, secondly, it helps them develop critical thinking skills as they do this. And lastly, helps them construct internalize their own understanding of content knowledge, of their own understanding of what's going on either in the past or, or what's going on right now. Now, thinking about those uh, things, let's look at the benefits of visible thinking strategies. And I think you're going to see some very similar things. Visible thinking strategies also promote deep student engagement and help them develop their understanding. And in addition, they help promote independence for all learners. They help students not only think for themselves, but begin to share their thinking, write about what they're thinking, and talk about it in a lot of different ways. So really, they're made for each other. And that's, I get very, if you can't tell, I get very excited about that. Let's take a look at a document and we're going to actually do a, a rather abbreviated primary source analysis of this document. So Kathy, um, let's see, we're going to go to a do Google Doc. Um, Kathy, do you want to explain that? So yep, I see a couple of folks are already in the Google Doc. Um, so if you scroll down, um, we're going to start us off um, with the analysis of this photo. Um, so I invite you, if you haven't opened it yet, I invite you to go to the Google Doc that is on the Educator Innovator site where, you accessed, uh, where you're accessing this uh, live video feed. And um, if you scroll down just a wee bit, you'll see the image on, in the Google Doc, and then you'll see our first prompt. And Anne, I'll let you go ahead and guide us through the prompt. OK. Um, should I stop sharing my screen? How is this working? This is the first time I've, I've Actually, done it. Actually, it looks pretty good. I mean, you can keep that up for those who aren't able to get into OK. I think it's OK, yeah. All right then. Okay. First question. What do you notice? Well, first of all, take a close look from perhaps 60 seconds or so at this document. What did you notice first? You can go ahead and type in the Google Doc. Or in the case of um, Kathy and Susan, you can just speak, speak out loud. The first thing that I noticed was the Dr. Pepper advertisement. Yeah, I noticed the, the shadow and the man walking towards 
well, up the stairs um, and towards the shadow. Where's the shadow? The shadow of the man or the shadow oh. upstairs? No, that's a good question. The, sh the mm -hmm. shadow of the stairs. So if you look to the, uh, on the wall, I see a shadow that cuts the clock and what I think is a clock um, cuts it in half. Uh-huh. What other details do you see? I also noticed what appears to be the word matinee at the top. And it looks like there might be an advertisement, uh, a billboard sign below for maybe a Western. Mm -hmm. So. Yeah. And I noticed the, the right after that, I, well, before that, before the Western, I noticed the colored uh, ad, admittance. Uh, it says AGM 10 cents. Um, so I am making an assumption that this is a, uh, uh, African-American walking upstairs to a, a movie house um, because of that Western and um, is going to have to pay 10 cents at the door. Hmm. But I'm making assumptions. Oh. Yes. Yeah. Um, what is it that makes you how what makes you think that he is uh, what makes you think that that's what is happening right now i mean what are those details that tell you that yeah um well i see a man what i assume is a man um walking up given the the clothing and the hat um and that it's a black and white photo, so it might be from a time gone by. Um, and that he seems to be walking towards uh, a door that says colored admission. And so, um, and it does look like it could be a movie theater um, because, as Susan pointed out, there is a uh, there is the word matinee on the on the wall, and then there is. Oh, that's right. Yeah, and then there is that poster of the of a what looks to be a western, a cowboy. What other details do you notice? Do you notice anything, for instance, in the lower left-hand corner of the screen? Do you see any other words? They might be pretty small. I can see that there are two what looks like doorways there and see that there is writing but I can't see what the writing says okay Kathy can you see uh, I think the first word is this is a good test of my eyes here uh, I think the first word it looks like it might be white and it might say men only white men only on that first yes. door um, mm -hmm. Yeah, and then I also see a sign in the middle of the bottom which says cash night, maybe Friday, and then I see something that says uh -huh. what I'm assuming is, I don't know, it looks like a four, then a zero, zero, and then another zero, zero. So I'm trying to imagine what four, what would be $400. I don't know, my, I'm, I'm kind of going off in a, in a, in a different direction. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
What, uh, maybe when did, maybe a bingo yeah. um, game, you know, a, a cash oh. like a bingo game or something oh. like that. Yeah. When do you think this image might have been taken? Well, given my knowledge of Western movies, <laughs> um, and it's a very limited knowledge that I have, um, I'm going to say, like, I just think of the Westerns coming out in the 50s. So for my knee-jerk reaction is, I think this is um, uh, in the 50s. And the other reason that, that I bring that is that, uh, that the fact that there is a a, a separate uh, door um, for a for for this this particular gentleman. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think the the style of the hat too looked to yeah. me like the 1950s style hat, and I'm not sure when Dr. Pepper was invented, but you know um. it certainly could have been uh, during that period of time. Mm -hmm. Lots of different clues here that might help you identify the time. And in your case, you, you both have some prior knowledge about the 1950s. Something that you're, well, maybe you do, maybe you don't. Um, but something that some of your students might not have as much of. What do you think was the purpose of this image? Any idea? Any speculations? Any speculations? Hmm. I don't, maybe it was documenting the fact that this exists. Mm -hmm. Maybe. And it looks like, or possibly, it was not just a candid photo that he just, that the photographer just mm -hmm. happened to come upon this person, but that perhaps so that the sun uh, level would be just perfect cast the shadows and things that perhaps there was a, a political statement and purpose behind it. If this, if this, if this image, image were to be taken, taken today, today, what would be, what would different, be different and, and what, might, what be might be the same? Uh, well, the colored admission wouldn't be there. And the um, it would be more than ten cents admission probably for anyone. <laughs> Anything else? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Can you hear me? Hear me. Okay. Yeah, it's breaking up a little bit. Okay, Susan, do you, do you hear Anne breaking up a little bit? Yes. I was just typing her in a note. <laughs> So, oh, all right. So, Anne, I'm going to ask um, just so that for the recording of this, if you can um, back out and come back in. Um, yes. Uh, okay. Actually, it seems to be. That sounds great. Yeah, it's still, it sounds better. Okay. Oh, all right. Now it sounds better. Yep. Okay. All right. Um, and Anne, another thing uh, I noticed too is that the, the 10, 2, and 4 advertisement for Dr. Pepper isn't one that they use now. That's not the current Dr. Pepper slogan. So, you know, that might give us 
a clue if we knew when that was being used or when it quit being used or. Thank you. Um, the movie poster would probably be a different type of movie. Mm-hmm. Right. Thank you. Perhaps, unless they're showing old movies. That's right. Could be classic. And um, although I can't see all the writing on the doors below, um, Kathleen said that it said uh, white men only, and that would certainly be something that you wouldn't see today. Mm -hmm. You wouldn't see in the United States. Okay. Right. What can you learn from this, looking at this image now? What are a couple things you have learned? And then what questions do you have? What more do you want to know about this image or about what's going on here? Well, I want to know what, what the gentleman thinks of having to go to the separate entrance. Um, and I can only imagine it's in the, it looks like it's in the back of the building. Um, so yeah, I, I, I'd like to, I'd like to know what he's, what he makes of this. And then, and then one last thing. Also, when Susan was talking about the photographer being there, and the sun is just right to cast these shadows, um, how long was the photographer waiting? If mm. she was mm -hmm. waiting, and I, I wondered why the man was going to the movies by himself. Ah. I mean, we kind of think of doing that often as something that we do in pairs or in groups and mm -hmm. and I want to know where this is I want to know what town this is or what state and whether is this really the back of the movie theater that we're looking at mm -hmm. that he the man has to walk around to the back um, and exactly when this was taken mm -hmm. I want to know what this town is like today yeah. Any other questions before we move on? Again, we're we're making this a very a relatively brief analysis. Yeah, and does this building still exist? I just to kind of go along with what you were saying, Anne. I'd like to know the history of the building. Yeah, and what is it mm -hmm. used for today and mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. All right. Um uh, I'm just curious about also about how these advertisements make you feel. I mean, the the contrast of the advertisements and good for life with what we're seeing. Any thoughts I, about that? I thought of the irony of that mm -hmm. uh, when he was walking up under the good for life sign. <laughs> mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, it's very stark. It's very black and white, mm -hmm. um, which I never really gave much thought to. Mm -hmm. um, I just, just kind of, oh, it's 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 a black and white photo. 
but I think that the power in this is that it is a black and white photo. It wouldn't have the um, same impact. And, right, and that there's so much, right, the, huh. the contrast and the, the white of the building and the, you know, that that, that was painted white. Mm -hmm. And then he's walking towards the, the dark. Yeah, I never really thought about it that way. Mm -hmm. um, something I'm noticing is that both of you are um, sharing your thoughts and you're jumping right to explaining what makes you have those thoughts and what makes you feel that way, which is wonderful. Um, the starkness of the photo, if this were in color, perhaps we wouldn't notice some of these details. Interesting. Okay, let's move on. Any other last thoughts about this image? Okay, I'm going to go back to the slide show and tell me if you see it yes okay um all right what we have done is a strategy that we use at the library of congress with primary sources of all kinds whether they be photos or maps whether they be diary entries other kinds of manuscripts sound recordings uh, recorded song, sheet music, and we call it observe, reflect, and question. And then after that, what we didn't do in our little our, uh, little practice session just now was the next step, the critical step of investigation, taking the questions we have, the things we wonder about, and starting to find out more, do more research, learn about that item, find other items. Um, what this routine, Susan, you, I'm sure you recognize that this routine is almost identical to the uh, making thinking visible routine. Right. See, think, wonder. What do you see? Or in the case of music, what do you hear? And then in reflection, what do you think about that? What do you think is going on? What inferences might you make? Or what kind of speculations might you have? And then lastly, what does it make you wonder? See, think, wonder. What kind of questions do you have? And this is one of the core routines of making thinking visible. I'm going to uh, share with you now a couple of the different ways that we offer students and teachers to help them um, make their own thinking visible. The first one is our primary source analysis tool. Here's a what a printed version of it looks like and and we have our column where you can write down things you observe and then things you reflect, what you question and there's a, even a little circle in the upper right hand corner to remind you that this actually is not a step-by-step -step routine. It's, it's, it's something that uh, you can go from noticing something to have a question having a question about it to coming up with inferences and then especially if taking a look back again at the primary source to find the evidence for why you think the way you think and then of course further investigation is the next big step moving on to learning more so um, this is one way we have of helping students make their thinking visible but we also have this same tool online, and it is, um, I'll give you a link later on, so that it is an interactive version of this, so students can actually type in their thinking, and then either email it or download it, work on it later, and then, or email it to the teacher, to themselves. 
So uh, that's, this is, there are a couple of ways. Another thing we can do, here's an example of another primary source where, oh, okay, first of all, here's an example of where a student has written out all their thinking about an item and then using arrows to draw lines connecting why they think the way they do their evidence. And this is a different primary source, but another idea for you is to put an item up on the wall or up on a whiteboard or on a big sheet of white paper and let students write down their responses. Uh, I'm showing this because we just had uh, finished up five webinars with our Summer Teacher Institute of Teachers and we had a lot of comments about um, writing and how many of them talked about how their students' writing has actually increased just in these past few months because of doing primary source analyses. Um, a couple of teachers mentioned that using post-it notes is a great way to get reluctant writers started because it's just a very small piece of paper and they can share their ideas. So just one idea. Uh, or perhaps having a, um, a, um, a quiet talk or a silent conversation where they go around and they can write, take turns writing on the paper surrounding the primary source. Lots of ways of doing this. Here's a way you can do it with the very youngest students. This is a kindergarten class where the printed item was put into sleeves and the students can literally circle the things they notice and draw and share what they're thinking even before they write. So this is a great way to be to begin. And then um, now let's just briefly think about another routine, which I think Susan's going to talk about as well, which just tickles me. And that is the headline routine. Taking a look at this image, take just a moment to think about what you have learned from this. What are, what are, what are some core ideas or core concepts you have related to this image? And I'm actually skipping what makes you, I actually skipped one, I'm sorry, everybody. Um, interpretation with what makes you say that is very uh, critical routine that helps. I didn't need it very much with you and you, Kathy and Susan, because you do this automatically. But when you start with your students, they will often share ideas, but won't say, follow it up with a because I see, or because this or that. And this is something you can ask them. Why do you think that? What makes you say that? Yeah, so Anne, if I can just jump in there, I think it's because mm -hmm. because it, we already know that routine, like it is already an established routine. You know, it's mm -hmm. part of, it is part of the procedure. And I think that's so important to know, which is when you get students to do the analysis, it, it's a matter of teaching the skill and then it does become uh, a routine as they as they progress and they go along um, because I before I had practice in doing this I would immediately go ahead and make assumptions um, and wouldn't be able to back it up I would say immediately looking at that that must be in the south it's because dr. pepper and there's a there's a colored entrance and like and I would just be all over the map in making assumptions and I think that but with them, what makes you say that it, it forces me to slow down because I know that you're going to ask me that question. So I slow myself down and really look at the, at the, 
the, the question that you ask, which is, what do you notice first? And that's a hard, it's hard for, it's, it's hard for me, I, I have to admit that, because I just, I, I, I move into a direction that perhaps I'm not ready to. Mm -hmm. that, that Thanks, Kathy. Wrong. I think it's human nature to jump to conclusions. And it does take practice. Susan, you were going to say something? I, I was going to say, I think that describing makes you slow down. Mm -hmm. because you mm -hmm. take a step back from the interpreting and you describe. And um, it does become routine. With my students, I usually will have to say, no, nope, we're describing right now. But then after we do this <laughs> a few times, I don't have to say that anymore. That's just part of it. Right. So. right. Thanks. And students can learn this at a very young age. I observed a third grade class in a school that had been using um, primary source analysis and the see, think, wonder routine for a couple of years. And those third graders, I came in to observe, and almost every one of them said, I think such and so because, and the teacher never even, it had become a habit. Um, and it just takes practice, as you're, you, you're both right, it doesn't happen automatically with children or adults. So another thought about this is that when students are using evidence to justify what they're saying, what it, what it can mean is that there really are no right or wrong answers. Every student has something really valuable to share uh, because they're, they're sharing their ideas and they're pointing to their reasoning or their evidence. So very powerful. Okay, let's move on to the uh, next one, which is a he the headline. And let's say you were to write a headline for this topic. And when we say headline, we're not thinking of a caption in a newspaper, but the, the actual headline at the top that captures the essence, captures the uh, idea of the picture or the article or the item. It captures the most important thing. So if you were to write a headline for that item, what might it be? Do either of you want to take a stab at it? Let's see. We could do it in the Google Doc, perhaps, or just say it out loud. Well, you see, I see a few people in the Google Doc. So okay. I'm going to put in a, a section for a headline. All right. I think I might use a parody of the um, Dr. Pepper Good Life and perhaps do something like a good life with a question mark on it mm -hmm. or mm -hmm. something like that. Yeah. Terrific. Right. Yeah, I was thinking that too, like good for life, question mark. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. There are lots of things you can, I'm going to pull the uh, slide, the slideshow back up. Um, this is a very, another very powerful routine and it can take students, again, a while to learn to use it. Uh, but it's wonderful to use. You can use it at the beginning of a unit and then later on go back and see how your thinking has changed. Um, on the Project Zero website under uh, 
headline, there is a video, wonderful video of this routine being used in a fifth grade classroom that I recommend you're, you're saying it. But it's a wonderful thing to do in a group where a group of students work together to come up with a consensus. So first they have to synthesize what they've seen and learned and then come up with some kind of consensus about what they think might be going on and then write a headline together. Very powerful, very powerful activity. Okay, we're going to sh uh, share one more uh, routine um, in a little bit of depth. We have a movie for you to watch. Circle of Viewpoints is something that we use all the time with primary sources and we'd like you to go ahead. I'm going to give you time at just two minutes and 39 seconds. Go ahead and um, they can either click on it or Kathy, can you explain how to get to it? Sure. Yep. I'm going to put it in the Google Doc. Oh, and I'm sorry for the person who's responding to the headline. We have a new headline, Man Missing the Good Life. Yeah. Yes. Um, with the oh, question oh, yes. Thank you. That summarizes uh, where I was trying to, to mm -hmm. go with that. Um, I'm going to put the circle of viewpoints video and a link to it. And it's going to take about three minutes to watch. So we'll join you okay. in about three minutes. And I'll time that, Anne. Thank you.
All right, we're ready, Ann. Okay. Um. This is, uh, for the sake of time, we're not going to discuss this right now. Just spend a couple of minutes thinking about what you saw. And we hear from teachers that this is also a very powerful routine that gets students thinking and writing about perspectives and points of view they might not have thought of otherwise. Uh, just very briefly, here are some of the um, thinking routines that we have used at the, prim at the Library of Congress. And in a couple of cases, um, I can just point out a couple that we hear are very popular with teachers. See, think, wonder, what makes you say that? Headline is tricky, it takes people a little while to learn to use that in their classrooms. Circle of viewpoints. Um, I used to think and now I think and step inside. I think those are things Susan's going to talk about. So I'm going to turn this over to her in a moment. Uh, teachers also love think, puzzle, explore and connect, extend, challenge. So these are all wonderful routines to get to know. They provide a wonderful common language with between all of your students and help students not only share what they're thinking, but helps them learn to think more deeply. Okay, uh, Susan, I'm going to turn this over to you now. Thank you so much, everybody. Thank Stop you. sharing. Let's see. Trying to stop. There we go. Okay. All right. And hopefully I'm sharing now. Can you see me? Yes. Okay. Um, I want to share four specific strategy examples with you. You know, one of the things that I really love about the visible thinking routines is that when you read about them, it says that these are to loosely guide learners' thought processes. And so, as Ann pointed out, you can use these with all ages of learners and different levels of learners because for many of these things, there is no correct answer. It's a reasoning process. And so, let me start with the, the question starter strategy. And the whole idea is, you know, we as teachers ask lots of questions, but I like for students to actually develop questions about topics. And I may give them some prompts to help with those questions, but I actually want them to come up with some questions as well. And so this image, which is from the Library of Congress, um, I would ask my students to brainstorm some questions about this image that they would like to ask about the image, that they might like to ask one of the characters in the image, that they might like to ask the photographer who took the image about that, and some samples of those questions and some of the prompts that I might give the students would be suppose that and then ask them to uh, come up with a sentence or what if we knew about what are the people saying to each other and then as we talk about those questions to talk about how 
even thinking about the questions that we would ask have given us a, uh, how those have given us a broader understanding of the topic really before we've even gotten any answers about that because the students have had to do some analysis of the photograph or of the piece of art, of the map, of the um, document before they can come up with their questions. And I find that sometimes coming up with questions is very difficult for students. And so these prompts are something that can really help them uh, in terms of, of doing that. And then these questions begin to become routine when they um, meet a new photograph or a new piece of art or a new map. And so they can be very valuable in terms of, of doing that. A second strategy is a step inside routine. I love the idea of asking students to explore perspectives and viewpoints. The idea that no one looks at the same thing in the same way. And I know as a history teacher, sometimes my students would say, as we were talking about a war, okay, who are the good guys? Who are we for? And I would say, well, it all depends on what your perspective is or what side you're on, what you're going to think. And so the idea of looking at different perspectives. Um, in this case, I've actually chosen a photograph to use, but it could certainly just be an object. Um, visible thinking actually said, you know, certainly you could even imagine yourself as the numerator in a fraction. I do a lot of raft strategies with my students and sometimes I have them um, take on roles such as uh, Kaiser Wilhelm and they're writing a recipe for starting a world war. So, you know, that that idea of looking at a different perspective. But in this, um, what uh, the three core questions that actually guide students in the step inside routine are what can the people or or the things perceive and what might the person know about or believe and then what might the person or thing care about and so we could actually focus on many different things in this photograph um, and or um, Kathy if I were asking you about this photograph um, what do you think that um, one of the people here might care about or might think about? I think they would think about their loved ones. I mean, it, it seems to be a, uh, a family. I see two young girls and a mother perhaps or a grandmother, I can't tell, it's a little small on my screen. Okay. And they're holding hands. There seems to, they seem to be very affectionate toward one another. That's okay. Right. Um, another thing they might care about that my students pointed out is that they're dressed very well. Um, the little girls are dressed mm -hmm. up. They're they're very. Um, um, their hair is done very well, and so that perhaps that idea of orderliness is very important, and that even outside this house, um, even though they have things to organize there, the shelves are very neat and orderly, so that that might be something that would be very important to them as well. And so hey, the idea I'm wondering of, if... Oh. No, go ahead, Ann. I'm wondering if they're 
if they care about the weather, I'm noticing the the roof extending way out uh -huh. um, in the front. Uh -huh. It I don't see any trees. I and the bush looks a little dry. Uh -huh. I, I because I don't see leaves at the top of it. So I want, I'm just wondering about if they're worried about the environment or, or maybe the heat or uh -huh. something. And where are they in terms of that? Yes. You can see that it looks like it's dirt around the house, not grass. Yes. And so all those are, are really great questions in terms of, you know, how might I feel about what might the people perceive or what might they care about in terms of, of stepping inside from the perspective of the mother or grandmother or one of the girls or something like that. Or you can mm -hmm. even have them step inside the role of an inanimate object such as the house and that the house could actually um, be the thing that the students are discussing in terms of that. Anne has already talked to you about the idea of headlines. I've started using hashtags as well as headlines uh. Uh, just to kind of tie it in a little bit more to um, what students are, are using now. And again, you know, the whole idea is can you capture the heart or the core of a matter? Another thing I've been very successful with in using this very same concept is to do bumper stickers at the end of a lesson to ask the student to create a bumper sticker uh, and I'd actually give them paper the size of a bumper sticker that captured the core of what we had discussed that day or the core of the matter that day. And so, you know, this is great uh, to have students sum up, draw conclusions, those types of things. For this exercise, I happen to use just a piece of fine art, which is actually from the Library of Congress fine art collection. And um, I would probably use this in a lesson. It might be to actually introduce a lesson. And I might have my students come up with a, a headline hashtag or title for that. And then, as Anne said, after the lesson where we were talking about this, which might be on the Black Death or something like that, uh, 30 years war, then to go back again and say, okay, so would you change your hashtag? Would you change your title? You know, would you change uh, the way that you had, had titled this? And Anne also talked about the I used to think, but now I think routine. And I really love this exercise because I love to cause my students to think they know exactly what they're seeing and then they're presented with a little bit more information and so they have to back out of this activity. This is one of those things that you can make as long or as short as you want to make it. Um, for a, a recent Library of Congress webinar, uh, this was actually developed into what might be um, a pretty long lesson plan, but you wouldn't necessarily have to do that. But um, to again, in what time period was this photograph taken? Why would you say that? What happened before? What is this woman thinking? You could use the Dr. Pepper um, um, advertisement that we looked at, the, the photograph in this very, very same way. And then you just begin to reveal some information as this, and the students are asked to revise and reconsider their previous answers. And so again, 
you provide more information. And what I'd usually do is don't have the students tell me that they're revising their information, but as we go through the process, I might stop and say, okay, raise your hand if you've revised your or reconsidered what you think your previous answers were. And again, you know, sometimes this photograph is a little tough because students don't know exactly what was going on there. But if we go back to that observe and describe every time, what time period do, do you think this is? How do you, why do you say that? Those types of things, then sometimes they're able to make those connections. This is just a, um, a newspaper clipping that's related to what we're talking about. And then again, we have women doing something. But as we get to the end saying, okay, did we revise and reconsider any of your original answers? And if you did, when did, you, when did that eureka moment happen? When did you decide to do this? What was the one piece of information that most influenced your revision? And then at the end, I fill in the rest of the story for the students and tell just a little bit more about the photograph or the map or the, the document that I might be using. And in fact, I provided photographs of before and after of Mrs. Weed for this, um, this exercise. But this is one that I like a lot because it gives you the chance to introduce lots of diff different evidence. And this can actually go on during several class periods. And you can do this as a part of your class every day in terms of doing this. And do you or Kathy have any um, comments about this? So, yeah, I, one thing that I, I, I want to um, point out here is the, the formats of some of the sources. Um, that, uh, this one, and again, because I think we're, we're, the subject matter um, has the photos. Um, and so a lot of this is, is looking at photo analysis. But um, one of the things that was in the Circle Viewpoints video was a document that there are a multitude of different types of formats for primary sources. And so depending on the topic that you might be teaching, um, trying to layer in some of those other Right, and if it's available uh, on the on the subject that you might be teaching, is um, is it can also be very powerful because you start to see a, a, a perhaps another point of view. Mm -hmm. Songs are a great way to do that. Uh, I had I developed an exercise on Westward Expansion, and I had the students analyze a couple of songs, and we looked at some diary entries of people who had actually moved west, as well as some photographs and some. Um, uh, land advertisements that were done. Uh, I just I wanted just to comment, comment that, that, that I'm noticing, noticing the um, um, open-ended open and almost gentle, gentle way, way you talk with your students, students and, and help them, them think about think their thinking. thinking. The use of the word reconsider. reconsider. How they reconsider their, 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 their thinking or the answers and revision. revision. And even the use of the word think. Which, which really opens, really the, opens door the door for them, for them to, to think broadly, to change their thinking, and to, in, in some cases, some cases to, to even realize it's okay to change what I think. What I think. 
because a lot of students don't know that. They're focused on answers and the right answers. So I noticed that about as you were describing these routines. I think that often students do want to give you the right answer. Just tell us what you want us to say or learn or put when actually the process is what you really want them to learn, the, the thinking routine or process. Yeah, and another, I would put another plug in for library resources, which I put into the Google Doc, um, which is uh, we have uh, analysis guides for teachers around using different formats, and the link is in the, in the Google Doc, but, um, and when we do our professional development, we try to model um, in the PD um, what we hope happens in the classroom. And we have, we also have a teacher in residence that comes and spends their school year with us. We buy out a teacher's contract every year. And two years ago, we had a, a high school librarian with us. And she, after our summer institute, she took those, uh, those teacher guides and she distributed them to her students and it has a lot of different question prompts and she quickly learned that the students were focused on getting to the answer and not the journey um, and so she you know after it was the, the first period was done she thought oh I did this I, I, you know, I made too many assumptions about their about them slowing down and doing it. So, yeah, another plug for for that that slowing down. And it's so hard. It's hard for us when we do professional development because we only have a finite amount of time. And I think that's the that's one of the best things that I get out of the the Project Zero work is the time that it takes to actually slow down. Uh -huh. I think that's true as well, that, you know, we often don't give students time to reflect because teachers feel so very pressed for time. But so many of these routines are ones that don't take an entire class period. There's something you can easily incorporate into your instruction that don't take a great deal of time, but actually add such great critical thinking skills to what you're doing. Thank you. Um, for those uh, who are uh, joining us uh, during the live portion of this program, you can uh, tweet any questions that you have to, uh, to hashtag connected learning, and we'll get those uh, going here. Um, but I do want to thank our presenters today, uh, Ann Savage from the Library of Congress, for taking us through a fantastic analysis of a, a really thought-provoking photo. And Susan, I want to thank you for layering in all the different strategies. This has been very enlightening. Um, and for our audience joining us, um, last, we're doing a five-part series. The Library of Congress is doing a five-part series with National Writing Project. We did an episode last month uh, in November. You can find it on the Connected Learning uh, webinar archive on introducing the Library of Congress and certain sites from the Library of Congress that would be of interest to 
the search for that. So I invite you to go look at that archive. I also invite you to join us uh, January 10th. We will have our next installment for the, NAP, the Educator Innovator Crowd, and it will be considerations on selecting primary sources. So tonight our aim was to show you some strategies for using primary sources, and it marries very well, primary sources marry very well with uh, visible thinking strategies. As a matter of fact, a lot of the work that comes out of Project Zero, um, we're big fans. I know National Writing Project is, uh, they are also big fans of Project Zero's work. So um, I do want to thank you uh, for tuning in to this program, and I hope that you will join us on January 10th, where we start um, talking about pulling some resources together uh, for your students and, and building towards that final inquiry-based project. So um, Anne has said, Anne sent me a note and let me know that she's put some links to resources in the Google Doc. We will keep adding to that uh, Google Doc. As a matter of fact, what I'd like to ask Susan is uh, if tomorrow you can send me some of your slides and sure. I'll make sure that we get some of the links um, because I think you had some great resources in there and I know our, our crowd would like to, uh, to be able to, to get to those. So, um, Anne, do you have any parting um, thoughts for us? Well, no other than thanks to everybody for joining us. And Susan, it was just delightful to talk with you. Oh, it was so great to be with you. Primary all. sources and making thinking visible. Thank you. Yeah. All right. Thanks, everybody.